0: So, several texts that we're going to be coming to. This is God's holy and infallible word. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but He sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your Father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks in his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And then this is uh, a, the first part of a prayer in Ephesians 3 that Paul writes. Paul, the person who wrote this letter of Ephesians um, to the church at Ephesus. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then this is from the little book of James, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That's God's word for us this morning. So I was thinking of what would be a good follow-up to our mission of the church series of the last week's on those three pillars, right? The one, that we would become more devotional so that we would experience God's word better. Second pillar was that we'd become more relational as a church, in and outside the church, in order to express God's love even better as a church. And just last week, that we would become more aspirational so that we can together equip god's people better for service here in the church for service in our lives everywhere in our so if you go online or you go to the welcome center you know there's the three e's which is a very brief statement of what our mission is as a church Um, but there's also a little more detailed explanation some biblical foundations how it fits into our church and ministries. And on the very back, it says support services. And we're highlighting there how we support the mission of Faith Church. And what's on that list are stuff like our leadership, our elders and deacons, our pastor. Right when we serve, we're all wanting to serve jesus first of all but also what we feel he calls us to at this church so they all support the mission of the church our finances our budget our giving that supports the mission of our church that's listed here our building and property is listed here because these aren't just ends to themselves the facility right and property this is to support and do our mission better. Technology ministries is mentioned, our safe church, ministry, all supporting the mission. But there's something else on that list, too. I skipped over what's number one on the list in terms of how we support faith, church, together. And it's number one for a good reason. Number one is prayer. We support the mission of the church, especially through prayer. So thinking of all that, the mission of the church and the number one priority for supporting it, prayer, and also reading a little book on prayer, that all led to this prayer series. And like the bulletin says, uh, the book I read is something I'd recommend you to get and read. and you can sign up at the registration counter or online. It's by uh, if you know anything about preachers and pastors, Alistair Begg, is a wonderful preacher. I'm sure you could hear him on the radio. And this this is the book uh, that I'd encourage you to get. You can sign up. Few people have already because it was in the bulletin last week. But if more of you want to participate. In some way closer with this series you can sign up for it we'll we'll have them by next Sunday um, you can read them individually you can read them with somebody else you can read them with the smaller group okay so this book is basically studying two prayers of Paul in Ephesians and we're g- gonna kind of do some introductory foundational stuff today um, and just several thoughts from our scripture readings first prayer is vital it's crucial it's necessary it's essential and we might say it's indispensable to the mission of Christ church without prayer we've got nothing no power no hope no spiritual vitality E.M. Bounds famously wrote, I think, about nine books on prayer. And he wrote once, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods and ideas, but men whom the Holy Spirit can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in power and in prayer power. And obviously, women and boys and girls mighty in prayer too. So recognizing the importance of prayer for the church in general, everywhere, for faith church and for our mission, that's why um, in the last several years we've been making a real effort to focus on prayer. Um, uh, We've got an elder prayer committee now that is inspiring prayer for us in different ways. Anyone is invited to join in prayer Sundays at 9, 10 a.m., praying for the, they're over that way, praying for the morning worship service week in, week out. We have a place for people to gather after morning worship to go if they have a prayer need from the week or that comes up during the message over that way. We've been committed to the National Day of Prayer service for many, many years, but we also have added several more prayer services throughout the year, including one just on September 8th. We have um, regular Sunday evening worship prayer request times. Our men's prayer group on Wednesday mornings continues to faithfully meet as they have for many years And all of that is in addition to the regular prayer we've got all the time in morning and evening worship services, in our small groups, in our Bible studies, at youth group meetings, at gems, at cadets, in our children's classes, at elders meetings, deacons, council meetings, committee meetings. Why do we do all that? And where do we get it from? Well, Of course we get it from the Bible and and Paul points us this way in what he shows us and teaches us about prayer. So the Apostle Paul who wrote Ephesians and a lot of the New Testament did great things. He was the first and greatest missionary of the church. He was the greatest preacher and theologian of the church he also planted many of the first congregations. These letters in the New Testament were letters often to churches that he planted. And all of that, his tireless labors, and if we know a bit about his life, his intense suffering for the gospel, all of that laid the incredible, firm, wonderful foundation Christ church going forward throughout the centuries. But what we notice in this prayer from Ephesians that we read just a little bit of and elsewhere, Paul never acts like he's some big shot because of all that he accomplished. In fact, he called himself the least of the apostles. Paul humbly realized that None of this was possible without the Lord. None of it could happen without God. His preaching would not have been effective. There would have been no response to his message and to his work if God wasn't behind it. If it was just about Paul, as intelligent, as great a man as he was, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, one plants the seed, another waters it, But only God can bring the growth. Arthur C. Anger, I don't know if I'm getting that right, he was a 19th century hymn writer. He wrote this, and this is actually in verse 4 in the Worshiping Church Hymnal, number 750. All we can do is done in vain unless God blesses the deed. Vainly, we hope for the harvest tide till God gives life to the seed. In Paul's letters, in his preaching, he edified, built up those who were already believers and reached the lost with the proclamation of the gospel. And we do the same. Uh, But it can't happen without him, without totally depending on him, without kneeling before the Father as Paul says he does, showing his complete need for the Lord. And if we don't do it physically, there's not a mandate to pray that way. The physical posture of prayer can help us, but in our hearts, we show that level of dependence certainly. Um, And we cannot accomplish Our mission. We can't build up these three pillars on our own. And so we fervently pray to the Father to bless our efforts. And we say with Psalm 127 about the house of faith, this house of worship, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders' labor in vain. President Lincoln once said, I have been driven many times to my knees. By the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go, my own wisdom and that of everyone about me seemed insufficient for the day. And Paul demonstrates that same attitude. And so do we. The Bible tells us about two sisters a number of times, Martha and Mary. They were good friends of Jesus, and they had a a brother, too, named Lazarus. Once when Jesus was visiting their home, we read that Martha got distracted with all of her serving, all of her busyness. But Mary, we read, chose the better thing by sitting at Jesus' feet, by listening to his voice, by making a priority of cultivating her relationship with her Lord, And when we talk about the mission of the church, our ministries, our worship, all the things going on, our service, I feel like it's very possible for servers and hard workers like we have many of here at Faith, I think we can get distracted in all of our serving and our working and neglect what is most important. And that's our relationship with the Lord in prayer. Uh, We cultivate it, that relationship. We grow closer to him. uh, We listen to his voice. We get filled for service when we spend time in prayer. Next, I want to talk a little bit about the heart of prayer. and It's about a relationship between a father and his children. Paul says in his prayer that he kneels before the Father. He kneels before the Father. As as simple and straightforward a statement as that is, we don't want to let that pass us by. The letter of James talks about God as the Father of lights. In John 17, Jesus prays what we call his high priestly prayer. And he consistently addresses God as Father when he prays. And in the garden, before his arrest, before his crucifixion, Jesus prays, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. And Jesus tells us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. And Paul prays to the Father. You know, we'll pray... We pray sometimes, Lord Jesus this, Lord Jesus that. We'll call out to the Holy Spirit. But mostly, and most profoundly, the Bible calls us to address God as our Father when we pray. And and I wonder if we really get that. Calling God our Father uh, reminds us that salvation the church, our lives, that it was all the Father's plan from the beginning. It was the Father who created us in order to bring His plan into motion. It's the Father's hand that sovereignly provides for this world and for our lives. And and His plan and guidance lead us from creation beyond the fall to redemption through His Son Jesus, Uh, to us being restored, and finally one day to the new heavens and the new earth. It's all the Father's eternal plan being carried out. It's not that we never may pray to Jesus or the Spirit because the Son and the Spirit are fully God with the Father, triune, but prayer in its deepest sense seems to be to the Father as we look at Jesus Paul, James, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That's our approach. A father, of course, has children, and that's what we are in relationship to him and how we call out to him as little children, right? As a father cares for his children, he's always looking out for us. He's always blessing us. He's always enriching us with this storehouse and treasure of of grace and mercy that he has. And he adopts us into his family. I think of of children. um, It's such a joy um, just in in this children's message. It's such a joy to see all the little children running around at faith. Um, It's especially I get a kick out of Sunday evenings after worship all of them running around it's like a a big train a couple of the older ones lead our little kids huh sometimes they're they're little rascals aren't they rascals but but we love them we love them they're they're dear to us and in a very real sense we are little rascals and yet the father God loves us right for jesus sake because of our big brother jesus we have access to the heavenly father and then god sees us through the lens of christ's sacrifice on the cross which brings us into god's family and then we're in the father's will we are his heirs to call god the father as we're invited to shows what an intimate and close relationship we can have with him through Jesus. And yet, that we're children, it reminds us of our proper place, too, right? When, when we go to him in prayer as our father, uh, we can have confidence in prayer, says the Bible. But we shouldn't be complacent about our relationship. Charles Spurgeon says, we may speak boldly to God, but still, he is in heaven and we're upon earth, and we should avoid presumption. Our catechism reminds us that God is an eternal Father. He's also Almighty God, and He wields an ever-present power. With that power, we can be assured that He's going to let nothing separate His children from His love. But as close and intimate we a relationship we have with our Father God, yet a Father in our own lives, right? Uh, but especially our Heavenly Father is greater than us. And, and so we bow before Him with humble adoration, with great respect always. All of the blessings of this relationship make it so sad that there are people who reject God as father today. They say, my father wasn't great. I want to call God mother. And this happens in churches. Check out uh, the World Mission Society Church of God, to name one. Started in 1964, now has three million members, in 175 countries, there are three in Chicagoland. One of their core beliefs is that God is father and God is mother. And there are others who completely reject that God is father and, and just call him mother. And this is a really sad commentary on our day. There's, there's something about that relationship between our father and and his children, that the Bible teaches that we can never, ever let go. True prayer is primarily, it's unashamedly, and it's wonderfully to our Father. And so we need to reject any attempt to chip away at the fatherhood of our God. There's something fundamental about it. And it's not like some leftover from an old rusty, patriarchal society that that we got to free ourselves from to make the faith relevant in the modern age. If we let go of this, uh, we might be tearing down. I think we will be tearing down our faith. And I think that if we let it go, we'll be watering down, if not destroying, the prayer life that God wants for us. As we get... To conclude here, there's a critical question that that follows from all of this, and it's for each one of us. Is God your father? And are you his child? This is important because not everyone can claim God as their father. The idea is, today, we're all God's children. He's the father of us all. But Jesus has something to say about that in John 8 that we read earlier. He doesn't seem to think that everyone is a child of his heavenly Father. Jesus would say that unbelievers outside the church and hypocrites in the church may not claim God as Father. He says, we read it, God is your Father if you listen to me and if you love me. And the Father knows what his children need, and it's Christ the living bread. And if we don't partake of the living bread, in other words, if we haven't accepted Jesus, God is not our father. And if he's not our father, as harsh as it sounds, this is what the Bible teaches, then the devil is your father. Either you have the father of lights that James says is the one who gives his family every good and perfect gift, Or, says Jesus, you have the father of lies, the devil, who is going to be leading his family into the abyss of eternal destruction. And from back in the garden going forward throughout all of history, right, all of humanity is in one of those two groups. We're either children of the father of lights or of the father of lies. We're either following the narrow path or the broad path, walking in light or in darkness. We're either a wise builder or a foolish builder. Jesus' teaching to pray our Father is for those who have him, Jesus, as their big brother and trust in him for their salvation. God is not the Father for just anyone and everyone automatically. And so this invites us to a moment of decision. Is the father your father of lights? Is he today? If Jesus is your big brother, if you belong to Jesus, if you call on his name in your great need, then... Certainly, Jesus' father is your father, and you can be assured that all the blessings that come from being part of the father's family are are yours. And it's including the blessing of being able to have a relationship and regular conversations, talks, like I think it was Leah said, talking with him, the almighty Lord of creation, who is also king of the church and also the faithful shepherd uh, for each one of us through all our lives, in our needs, in our sufferings, and the one who gives us the fa- as the Father of lights every good and perfect gift. He's the one from whom all blessings flow. Amen.